audio. Hi, my name is Mark Houston, and along with my co-host Andy Young, today we're going to be talking with Nashville recording artist Daniel Donato. Uh, this kid, not even 27 years old yet, has been busking on the streets of Nashville since around the age of 14, and I encourage you to go to YouTube and search for that. There's video of him, this fresh-faced Young, I mean, 14-year-old kid standing on the streets in downtown Nashville playing guitar better than most people that have been doing it for decades. Daniel has completely dedicated himself to this passion, and it shows in almost everything he does. He calls his kind of music Cosmic Country, and if you watch videos or listen to Daniel play, you will get exactly what that term means. So I'm super excited to talk with Daniel this afternoon. Welcome to my first concert, Daniel. It's very nice to meet you. How you doing? Good. I spent a good portion of this afternoon just watching your videos. So if it gets weird, that's why. All right. <laughs> nope. The reason it gets weird is because of me. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, uh, my name's Mark. Of course, you, you kind of know uh, Andy a little bit, too. Um, I'm the director of programming up here for our radio stations in Rapid City and for the podcasting stuff we do. And just a quick introduction on me. He likes so, to brag about himself. I get a little it's bit, you know. Yeah. We're just going to have to stomach through it. <laughs> I don't get a throw a lot of that out there. You know, I suppose, Daniel, we should really start this interview off with the elephant in the room and in that you think that uh, that simply playing Guitar Hero makes you uh, rich and famous. I think vision is a very funny thing. I do. I think I think a, a conversation that's very valuable to have is the difference between vision and goals. I think vision is this kind of a, like a breadcrumb trail um, that never seems to quite end just like the white line on the highway yet it leads you to destination to destination which is a goal um a destination is a goal right because it's a place you reach and then it's a place that you leave but there seems to be a process that is consistent from goal to goal from destination to destination that is uh just as important if not more um and vision i think is it and so I think the thing that starts you on your vision, that's where everybody's individuality and their process of individuation uh, becomes very obvious. Um, where, where did your vision start? What gave you your vision? What occurrence of vision happened after the first one happened that kept pushing you? That's, a, you know. Well, and it seems like you 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 have a you have a pretty musical. Your, your family seems to be relatively music. Uh, I mean, in into music and and have a has a decent background in it to influence you. I I just when I when I read your bio when I was on your website checking that out and I I don't know why I was so struck by the fact after reading that your family was you know pretty musically oriented that it was a simple video game that you picked up that really led you down this path. Yeah, you know, I would say, um, you know, to perhaps inform the scale of musical um, inclination that my family had, um, really just my, my dad played guitar, and he never even really did it, um, he never played on stage. Um, and so, you know, I'm so in the fishbowl of musician groups of, um, in like a tribalistic sense, you hear about a lot of people, um, like a lot, whose father starts them when they're four or five, their mother starts them because they sang and they were their choir teacher and they played piano at church and all that. 
And something that I like to kind of maintain is um, a, a distinction from, from that because I, the only person in my family, there's only two, this is weird. Uh, there's only two other uh, actual like working musicians in my lineage of uh, bloodline and they come from my mother's side of the family. And one is George Gershwin and the other one is um, Pink. Really? <laughs> and I've never met either of them, but yeah. And, and so really, um, no, uh, to a degree, my family wasn't really musical, which is interesting because it's like that to me, um, because now as I'm, you know, I'm going to be about to be 27 and it's like, um, the way that your identity, like, like the hero's journey, like a lot of your identity starts with your family and their tribalistic tendencies and like their philosophies. And then you leave home and then you go have your own unique experiences. And that helps mold the cosmic Plato that you are as a person. Music was kind of the thing that black sheeped me a little, uh, from my family in, in not in a way that was uh, anti-supportive in any way. But in terms of just the sheer nonlinear nature of what a a life that exists within a work of state of flow uh, yields, um, and so it's actually um, it's something that I I have to remind myself, which is that you're kind of different from everybody at this Thanksgiving table, just fundamentally, um, let alone personality wise, but just vision wise for my life. Um, and that's actually a quite a different thing than a lot of people that you know everyone in my band, for example. Um, aside from my drummer, their parents, uh, you know, that's what they, they taught them young. And so it's like, it's that kind of like, well, of course you went and did music. But for me, it was like music called me and perhaps no one else in my family, which is, it's such a confusing thing. And it's not like something to brag about. It's actually quite a, a confusing, uh, it's a thing. It's like, why, you know, it's like, it's, you're still doing that, huh? Like how, how long are you going to ride this out? Huh? There is some of that, but you know, fortunately, man, that's the thing I think about truth. I, I think truth is a very slippery, uh, liquid thing. And what I mean by that is, um, I truly, uh, started playing music because I had a vision for it and I felt it was calling me. Um, and, and I say that in contrast to, I saw Michael Jackson on the television when I was four and I wanted to be famous and rich and that inspired me. It was like, it was like truly something of, of a, a vehicle that was purely driven off the fuel of discovering of truth, beauty, and goodness. Um, and so fortunately, now that I've been doing it long enough, <laughs> and like Andy, you know this, like I'm, I work really hard and I work persistently and patiently and positively. Uh, and I've, I've been doing it, I'll be 27 and April 6th, and I started busking on the street when I was 14. And I've never really stopped or taken like a week off uh, since then. And so it's like, and it's all been fueled by truth. So now the truth is starting to compound and manifest in my external world um, to where we go and do shows and there's more people at the shows, uh, making a little bit more money. Um, it's bringing more value into the world. And it's way different than when I was like first getting out of high school. And they're like, well, what, what in the world are you doing? Um, and so those conversations are, are, are dwindling and it's always, it's always like the most like, um, uh, it, it's always like, um, it's interesting every year. Cause it's just like less and less those questions are getting asked and it's less, it's more and more like, Hey, can we come see you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's more like, Oh, I get it now. Like people are, people are like, Oh, I see what you're talking about. This is, this is what you've been envisioning the whole time. C, right? So like C is, you know, it's, it's part of the portfolio of what the internal vision is, you know? And so it's like, that's the thing that I think that's, you know, it, the thing that's more important than anything that you do is did you have an authentic vision uh, to pursue it? Because if it's, if the soil is um, 
uh, sowed with authenticity seeds, if you will, um, it's bound to yield a fruit uh, that is of a first desire. Um, and so it's like, and I think it's just a matter of patience, persistence, and positivity and being truthful with yourself, which is quite a full-time job. Um, and it's a process that uh, it's like a batting average. It's like how truthful were you to yourself today? You know what I mean? And so that's something that music has kind of always um, done for me. Uh, and I, I've always been like, the way I get into things is very uh, like archetypally um, focused and very blind to other things I'm not interested in. In my whole life, it was like that. Like I was, it was Power Rangers when I was a, a four-year-old kid lining them all up and having to collect them all. And then it was Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And then it was, um, then it was, you know, it was, it was like trying to learn how to skateboard and like knowing about all the skateboarders. And then it became music. Um, for a while it was chess, you know, I just get into things. And the thing about music is it's a, it's like the universe. Like it's a constantly expansive vehicle that is compounding on itself entirely. And the thing about music though, is you can interact with that growth in a way that yields an identity that's unique to you and then other people can enjoy in that thing. So why do you think that that's an interesting point? You, you know, you, 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 you went all in on these things when you were younger, whatever piqued your interest at that time, you, you would go. So why or how maybe is a better question. Did that focus land on music and all of that energy get directed there? I would, you know, how is a weird one. I was thinking about how, um, I was thinking about the question I used to ask a lot of musicians, which is how do you do that? And, uh, like this, <laughs> just, just, just like this. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, you do it. And so, but the thing about doing something really is that consciously you are actually, uh, you, you are delegated 0% of the responsibility for the autonomic, uh, high intensity and high accuracy execution of whatever it is that you're doing. Really the thing that you're bringing to the table with, uh, physics is intention and belief um, in vision. Uh, so you're kind of bringing these raw creative cosmic, uh, materials to something that's like very finite and mortal, which is your body, which is your body. And so I, I don't even know how I play guitar. I could tell you how I practice and I could tell you how I, you know, developed, you know, ways to quantify what I do with my practice routine and to, to track what I'm doing. And, but how I, I, I really think synchronicity is probably part of the equation it's an ever-present reality for all those who have eyes to see carl Jung. you know it's like it's a very fascinating thing synchronicity and it was all just like you know the way we talk about we'll call that oh that was a coincidence but when we watch and that's in our real lives and then when we watch a movie when we watch a hero's journey we see these synchronous moments and then we have no problem devoting all chips in on the table to this must be an act of the heavens to some degree without tying any particular kind of proper noun of faith to it there is like we you know we we assume that there's a work in of another uh, intelligence at play um that is guiding the way of the story and i really like honestly look back in my life and and things that are even happening just today um and it's like synchronicity like there's definitely a a, a line that's being written and I'm following along with it and my breadcrumbs are kind of truth. And so how it, how it started with music for me was I loved guitar hero, loved the music. I asked my dad if he would show me some chords, um, loved the tactile physical sensation of just playing guitar. So again, just love doing the thing. Um, you really know you love something, rest in peace, Bob Saget, when you're having a good time, there is no time, you know, which, which, which is a, a kind of a simplistic way of getting back to the idea of re relinquishing any of the desires aside to just be in the present moment and do something 
um, to a high degree of, of, of excellence. And then that led to my dad being like, well, hey, we live an hour away from Nashville. Why don't you go busk on the street? It's like, okay, I was 14. He's like, I'll stand by you and make sure no one takes your money. And uh, the first day I did it, I made no money. So, and uh, when we were walking back to our car that day, you know, through the ever-present reality for all those who have eyes to see, uh, I got called up on stage as we were walking by a bar. And it was the first time I got to play a Fender Telecaster, which is like the only guitar I really uh, dig into and play. And it was the first time I was exposed to honky-tonk music and I played on stage for the first time. And and then that led to other events that compounded on top of themselves. Um, and I've just been following that trail ever since then. So, so let's say... If you weren't exposed, uh, if that exposure didn't didn't happen with with say honky tonk, and it was something else, you walked by and you heard, you know, you heard uh, Guns and Roses, or you heard uh, something more along the lines of, um, I don't know, harder, heavier stuff. Do you think that would have influenced you in the same way? You know, so that's kind of the power of synchronicity. Like, so you just said Guns and Roses. It was like um, hearing Paradise City. 35 seconds in that was the thing that got me to want to play lead guitar and so and so i almost think that you played right into his hand Houston. <laughs> <I> did. <laughs> he just made his made his point it's for not him. my hand you know it's this kind of thing that it's um this is the thing i really think it's like uh i really do believe this and i it's a new belief for me so i might I tend to get way into things and then I would take a couple eggs out of the basket to meet in the middle of the objective reality of things. But it's like, um, I really do. It's the fact that you just said guns and roses and that I, you know, guns and roses started me those kinds of signs. I don't even think about what if I just think about what's next. I don't ever think about it. And I also, I try to not think about why people do things. Um, or, you know, and I just try to think about why I do things. And if I could, you know, in a Freudian sense, kind of see, you know, what uh, is from my subconscious, why am I biting my nails right now? Or why am I really pissed off sitting in traffic? There's probably a deeper underlying reason. So for like life moves, I try to not ever even spend any of my conscious gifted attention onto what if, because um, there's really not a lot I can yield that will gain me success in the future by dwelling in that. So it's like, it's this kind of thing where it's like it happened and it feels right in my soul. I'm just going to delegate um, accordingly to the other manifest intelligence, intelligences that are at hand and just work with them. Well, another thing you mentioned too, with, you said you were about an, you grew up about an hour outside of Nashville. Yeah. And I've always thought that people that live and grow up around that area, it's like, you know, if you're, if you live in Minneapolis, you're expected to play hockey. If you live in San Diego, they want you to surf. If you're on, you know, different sections of the country have these definitive um, counterculture subcultures. Yeah, subcultures to them not living near nashville you think that may have changed for you too maybe you know so the way we moved to nashville was that no one in our family ever stepped foot in the state of tennessee um so we moved here and it was a very random silly move you know, it was um there was a death in our family and my family wanted to get out of new jersey and uh they chose Nashville. They chose Spring Hill, Tennessee. And, you know, the thing, and that's like the, I think it's Nietzsche. It's like, you know, be careful how long you stare into the abyss because the abyss stares into you. So I think what that means is like something like whatever it is that you're looking into, it's also looking at you. And so you're always looking to what to do next and where to take your family and how to best prosper them. 
perhaps that thing that you're looking at was also looking at us to be like, okay, Nashville's good. And for whatever intuition it was, my family decided to pull the trigger on it. Then, you know, a few years later, you know, we moved to Nashville. Uh, we got into our house on Christmas day uh, when I was eight years old and my father got me a guitar that day and I didn't touch it. Didn't even take it out of the box for like four years. And so it's almost like, hmm, if you look at a lot of the stories, you know, there's typically winter is typically the hardest time to prosper and find success. And that's when the most dark is. Um, and there's plenty of storylines that will relay the, um, the objective truth of that kind of uh, archetype of, of nature. And so it's interesting. It's like if you were to write a story, it's like they move to Nashville. They arrive on winter's day. He gets a guitar the first day he gets there. Never picked up a guitar before. Never been to Nashville before. It's like, that's a little strange to me. And so it's just like, it, 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 you could call it serendipity and that's the thing, but I look at it as more a little bit deeper. I, I look at it as perhaps there's a, there's a storyline of meaning that's unfolding, you know, in each hour, day, month, year, decade, century, and so on. Now you, uh, you describe the kind of music you play as cosmic country. I absolutely love that phrase. And it Music. took me, it, uh, it, you know, it took me listening to some of your stuff to figure out exactly what you were getting at with that. And I think when they come to see you play, but it's, it, it makes sense. If somebody says, where are you going tonight? Well, we're going to go listen to somebody play Cosmic Country. And they walk in and see what you're doing. You're like, oh my oh, God. Yeah, obviously I get this, it. This makes, this makes perfect sense. I mean, you're pulling from, from, from what, Waylon Jennings and the Grateful Dead. You're, you're blending all of this stuff together. And do you think, do you think this is, this could be the next evolution of country music? Do you think it could influence that? Yeah. So there's a lot, there's a couple of points to, I guess, uh, uh, to relate after that question. Um, you know, so the thing that was very interesting about Jerry Garcia was he wasn't the biggest fan. He was, he was a very extroverted guy in certain ways. I mean, obviously you play for 50,000 people a night. You're not a shy person. Um, you know, because you're able to access part of your psyche in front of that many people. I'm not sold that you're shy. Um, so he didn't like doing interviews though, because um, he would get asked a lot, you know, what is a Grateful Dead? And then he would have to use the vehicle of words um, to describe that. And the thing that's interesting about music is if we look at words as a vehicle of communication, and we can also look at music as a vehicle of communication, um, all languages uh, use music in a transpersonal sense as a very valid form of communication. Yet we all don't share the same mouth sound words, but we all share four four time. Um, after JS Bach, we all share uh, similar voice leading techniques. Um, and so it's like, I almost think that um, when people ask like, what is cosmic country? It's like, well, the music will say it, you know? And so that's why I, when you say um, you had to listen to it for it to make sense, I think that's pretty spot on. And I have to listen to it for it to make sense too. Um, and so I, and, and to answer the second part of the question, um, you know, I think it's something that's already been happening. I didn't really coin the term cosmic country. It, it was this idea that I, I had, it was like, well, this is kind of sounds like spacey. And then I like I love country. And then it, again, it's like a very naive, youthful um, step into like the Willy Wonka chocolate factory. And it turns out to be this immensely detail-oriented, grandiose, uh, divine thing. Um, 
And so it, it, it was like, oh, Cosmic Country. And then, but no, it's like, then you go and you look at Graham Parsons, then, and, and then you look at uh, The Grateful Dead, right? And you look at everyone else that's involved in that. And then you look at, you know, songs of Hank Williams Sr., like The Lost Highway. What is The Lost Highway? Is it, is it perhaps the, the individualized road of life that we're all traveling down and we all feel a little bit existentially unsound as we get older? And as we become more alone in our own experiences, you know, but yet we feel more together because we're family. It's like, it's a weird thing. And so I think Cosmic Country is something that's already been happening. And I just view myself as just a branch on the tree. Um, and it's, I'm very honored. I'm, I'm an honored branch. You know, I'm sure you get asked to a million times, you know, your influences and, and whatnot when it comes to playing guitar. Um, but if you, if you tonight got picked up your phone and on the other end was the one person you'd want to step up on stage and play with. Yeah. Who, who would that be? It, I had it in a dream the other night, actually. Oh, it's going to happen. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. Then it has it's to. Coming. Yeah. Well, it was weird. It was like, um, I really love dreams. Uh, dreams are very like, um, just so like, I, I have a friend of mine who's like, I don't look too much into dreams. And it's just like, that's crazy to me. Cause it's like, they say so much, um, I had a dream the other day. I was driving down the road and um, it was this rather lost highway-like road where it was just mountainous plains from left to right and a sunset. And the road split into three, which, you know, uh, geometrically speaking, is a very valuable number in the construction of many uh, systems and forms that humans have discovered and made. Um, the road split into three and they all went vertically up to the heavens. And uh, I would keep trying to drive up the road fearlessly and in a very soft and almost benevolent way, it would push me back down. And I turned around and then all of a sudden next to me was Jerry Garcia in my passenger seat of my 2004 white Ford Ranger. And uh, he had this red wine glass with him, which the symbolism of red throughout so many cultures and pieces of text um, is very valuable to observe. And he had this red wine with him and he just held it out to me. And he said, all good things and all good time. And then we just, I was like, well, let's I literally said, I'm like, well, let's keep on chugging. Then we just drove home. And so it was like, I would have to say Jerry Garcia. Like if I could play with anybody, if I could just talk with anybody. Here's the thing. Um, all mammals have, you know, a play circuit in our mind. Um, and that's a very fascinating piece of real estate to observe because when you play, um, you're in the present moment. You're not trying to finish fast you're satiated and you're most likely finding meaning in what you're doing because you don't really play with things you don't like. So if I could play with anybody, I play in my conversations with people. So I would love to play with Jerry Garcia, Jimi Hendrix, Jerry Reed. Um, I would love to talk to Carl Jung. I would love to talk to him. Um, um, Hank Williams Sr. on a sober night, if I could. Well, his, his drunk nights would be pretty fun too, probably. Yeah, and the pills too. But living would be like Bob Weir, Willie Nelson, um, Bob Dylan, Neil Young. Who have you enjoyed playing with currently? The Don Kelly band was really fun. That was a really like. And you said something earlier about staring into the abyss. It reminded me of a Taylor Goldsmith lyric. And he's another Telecaster player that I just like, I always look up to. Like he's just an absolute monster of Dawes. Yeah, that's a great. You know, I saw him play with Phil Lash at Brooklyn Bowl. Oh, sure. And uh, Phil Lash should be someone I'd love to play with, too, playing Phil and Friends for a couple shows. That'd be wild. I think he does that a little bit, doesn't he? Yeah, they kind of have a revolving cast of characters that come and kind of fill the archetype or roles of what the dead created, you know? And so that's kind of cool. It's like a movie, or it's like a show series, rather. 
thing. Um, yeah, the Don Kelly band was probably like one of the best things that'll ever happen to me in my entire um, time of like space and time existence. Um, just because of how good that band was, how often we got to play, the venue we got to play at, and how good of a leader, and also how not efficient of a leader Don was, like simultaneously. And um, just a, every night, looking back on it now as I get, as I have more time and like cyclical tenure in between, just a brilliant opportunity to have. Just too lucky. Too, the odds were just too odd <laughs> uh, for it to just not be a, a working of synchronicity of some kind. And that was just an amazing experience. Well, if you, uh, you know, talking with you now and, and kind of getting to know your, your background a little bit here and, and, and your passion for this obviously comes through clearly when we're talking. Daniel, what would you do if you couldn't do this anymore? I don't know. I, I don't know. I did pretty like... Um... I just love this question because because when somebody is so, I mean, just just has this desire and this passion like you do to, to, to perfect this instrument and to make the music you do... You know, I wonder if you guys ever sit down and just take a moment to be like, boy, what if I lost both my hands tonight or guitars disappeared from the planet? What would I do? I guess I would take the uh, the sum that I get from my insurance that I have in my hands and buy a bunch of NFTs and call it a day. So, um, you know, I think the be the question and then the you mentioned, you know, what would you do if you couldn't do this anymore? And then the sitting down and wondering of it. The latter seems more skewed towards the behavior, which is like perhaps a phenomena that reoccurs over uh, several scenes of life. If, but if I'm going to answer the question now, I don't know. Um, and I, I hope that just speaks to how focused my vision is on what I'm doing. I really don't know. I haven't even considered it. Um, and it's kind of ignorance by bliss, which um, you you have. Uh, you know, the, our vision is um, is 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 so finite that the corners of of your eyes are are black and white like they don't process color that far and so, but you don't even see it and if you know if i take my hands and i move them out more and more and i try to see how many fingers i'm holding up i could feel that i'm holding up three but i can't actually see it unless i turn my head and so that's the physical manifestation of of the blinders on metaphor if you will but if you if you apply that same reality to the internal world and the operatings that happen within those layers of the consciousness, um, it's even more narrow. Uh, see, I'm so narrow, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> like I I don't think about it. I I don't, and that's my honest, truthful answer. I just don't even, and I'm I'm not scared to. It's not like a fear thing. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know what I would do. Your debut album is a young man's country. Um, are you? Are you working, you have another one? You working on a second one now? We're going to go record some songs with a producer that I've been wanting to work with forever. It's Vance Powell. Um, he does like, he did Fish, Chris Stapleton, Jack White, which are all three massive influences on what I do. Um, and so he's here at a national. We're going to record some more songs with him this year. But we have over 100 shows we're doing this year. So like the main focus is uh, touring and then recording. Um Kind of the two forms of music, if you will. One's the picture, and then one's seeing the person in, in you know, at the dinner party. Um, and so just, ident just realizing both of those visions into reality, you know, because the the thing that I do, which took me a long time. So, the thing about living in Nashville, which is like very interesting experience, especially for like the hand, the personality hand that I was dealt at the ca the casino of life. 
like I, um, I have a lot of comparative tendencies uh, because like I'm very like high in conscientiousness and I'm like very high like in these in industrious qualities. So I'll see something like for years, I saw people that were successful. I'd be like, well, I'll just work really hard and just try to be like that person. And I kept running into these walls that were like internally very real for me. And that's what happens when you're in Nashville because you see so many different versions of what success is. You think, well, that's just what I got to do. I got to be that guy on the billboard and I got to like have like a wireless mic and go walk out into the arena and like take selfies with people in the middle of my top 10 smash single. And that's not really the guy I am. The, it's pretty obvious. Like a lot of my heroes and where my skills skew naturally is not towards that side of fame. It's like way more musically driven. It's way more like longevity community driven. And so those things take a lot of time to simmer and cook. But the thing about those creations is they compound over time. Um, the eighth wonder of the world, said Einstein, it's compound, compound interest. You know, it took me a while to be like, okay, this is me. And I, and here's also how I, you know, I change and, I, and I'm all right with changing because I'm following this internal light, if you will, to, to apply euphemism of imagery to it, just so we can kind of understand what I'm saying and feeling. You know what I'm saying? So it took me years, it took me a long time before I would go to a bar and not think that I wasn't dressed cool or that I wasn't cool enough to be there, or I, that I brought value to the party. It took me a while, it took me a long time and a lot of self-reflective. But this year, on the past year or two, it was like really starting to hit on something like vibrationally, internally, where it's like, okay, you have records and you have the live show and that's what you're going to do. That's the, that's the state of flow that your life pretty much exists in. Like that, those are the forms. Then I also have like the Lost Highway podcast, which is um, an extension of who I am, but it's not essentially music, but there is music heavily involved, of course. Um, yeah, so those are kind of the forms that I work in all the time. Um, and so we're just working away as my, one of my, my, my mentor, he's, he, he calls it chopping wood and carrying water. It's like, just do the work. Well, no, that's absolutely true about, you know, just being an artist. It's impossible to not compare yourself to what you're seeing. And especially when you're adjacent to whatever level of success is around you, especially in Nashville, but just in general, you, you can't help, but like see an artist and be like, Oh, that's what that that's a milestone that I'm supposed to hit before I can do the next thing, even though there's no roadmap for, especially in this industry, there's absolutely no roadmap for what it takes to be a successful musician or artist. There's not. And, and the thing that's even crazier about it is there's like a lot of people who are on the left brain side of the music machine that, you know, hold a lot of uh, potential chips of value for artists that will tell you there is a roadmap. And there's not, it's a, it's a, it's a rather nonlinear experience but if you look at nature it's a pretty non-linear work of beauty like if you look at a, a a grapevine or kudzu growing alongside a, a decrepit building of some kind it kind of grows left and it goes right and then it turns down and it goes up and it's not just like a, a human-made construct like a road that just has straight lines and it goes and so i think there's this kind of tendency to try to organize experience and to fit into a form that is linear but what you're doing is you're diminishing a lot of perhaps the overtones of reality that are actually happening. And it took me a while just to accept the actual nature of that. And I'm still accepting it. It's not like I'm not trying to talk from any place of like uh, virtue or anything. These are all just like naive thought ideas that I carry around with this huge head of hair. Yeah, see, it's just it's just starting to come back now. I remember you cut it not too long ago. I think it was a lot shorter back when we ran into each other out in uh, Los Angeles for the NAMM show. 
Yeah, it was way short. That was another, like, you know, it's interesting to, like, see that. It's like, you can see, I think thoroughly we are a collection of, like, these externalized ideas that start internally. And there's just a re- evolving Polaroid collection, if you will, of just versions of yourself. Um, it's like, oh, that was that version. You know, that was like, and then it's the same thing with heroes. Like you watch Harry Potter. It's like, he's way different in the first one than when he is in the last one. Like extremely, like extremely different. Even his personality, his demeanor, it's much more integrated, much more mature, much more effective and sharp and less agreeable and um, less naive and knowing what he wants and knowing that he doesn't know what he wants fully, but he's going to follow some kind of a, of a value that he's derived from experience with him and his passion to guide him there. Um, and I think it just takes, there's no, you know, all good things and all good time. You know, it really is that kind of that thing. Well, let's, um, let's bring this back around, uh, Daniel to, you know, kind of the reason why Andy and I started this podcast. It's because talking with, with musicians and artists and educators and, and, and everybody that's involved in the music industry, there always seems to be, and and, and with people like you that are really driven by this whole thing, I don't know if you can really narrow it down to one thing, but if you can try, do you remember that first, that first concert you went to that when you stood there? That, that just that overwhelming feeling hit you of like, yep, this is it. Yeah, absolutely. It was the day after I sat in on stage for the first time and we went back downtown and the doorman wasn't there. He was supposed to be. It was 6 p.m. and that's when everyone under 21 has to get out. And it was at Robert's Western World. And uh, the Don Kelly band was about to start playing. And um, not, no one knows the Don Kelly band, really, like in terms of any popular currency so to inform the listeners this was this is kind of um one of the most preeminent local bands that nashville ever saw and they housed a lot of great successful musicians but they always had a a revolving door of guitar players that would spend two or three four or five years in the band um and so this was a wednesday no 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 it was a friday and um no it was a saturday it was a saturday i remember and uh there wasn't a lot of people in the bar and um so it was me getting to watch this band that's been playing together since like 1986, um, play for four hours for free at a high volume, high intensity, high accuracy, um, 15 feet away from me. And it was the first time I ever heard Buck Owens. It was the first time I ever heard Folsom Prison Blues, Ring of Fire, uh, Ghost Riders in the Sky, Ramblin' Man by the Allman Brothers, uh, Tom T. Hall, just uh everything gene watson 14 caramine everything and so it all kind of happened in this law uh, like this just dropping off of a box of inspirations like okay here you go and uh and so that changed my life and um i was so moved by the experience uh, the jd simo who was in the band at the time playing guitar he was 24 at the time he played ghost riders in the sky which is just this legendary amazing uh western song yeah everyone knows it and it's um it's interesting because that song still goes viral, like on social media. Like there's a lot of videos floating around of that song. It's weird, and, and so that te- that to me tells me that there is a, uh, a a divinity ounce of truth to the melody because that would be the only way something that isn't physical can you know propagate itself over many generations of culture. That's if culture allows it to crowd surf over its head, um you know. So he plays this song and I'm just shaking up with all these amazing emotions of A minor going to C and the relative and then the the E major which you know is you, you know you raise the G natural to a G sharp which creates this amazing amount of tension a leading tone into the minor that melodic minor thing and it's like 
I didn't understand quantitatively anything that was stirring inside of my soul and my psyche. Um, he came down and talked to me. So it's this man playing this amazing blue Telecaster through a 1966 deluxe reverb, which I'd never heard before. It was just him through an amp with reverb. And he just changed my life. And he, then he comes and talks to me. And he goes, look at him. I was like in tears, literally. I'm like this 14-year-old kid in tears. He's like, I guess you like that song, huh? And uh, I, was, I couldn't even talk really. And he's like, so you play guitar? And then we started talking to Lizzie. Yeah, I just started two years ago. He's like, well, you got to learn everything by ear. And he starts giving me all these um, um, artifacts of truth in terms of how to cultivate an individualized process on how to engage with your muse and how to find your own voice on the guitar. And um, I remember the biggest thing was like, learn everything by ear, play along to music, and, um, you know, always, uh, always be the guy that says hello. And, um, you know, don't be the person who's, you know, not too, you know, who's, who's not brave enough or the person who's, you know, too cool to say hello. So he meant it both, he meant it both ways. And, um, and when I say both ways, I mean, in terms of people who are perhaps who you might perceive as above you in some sort of a hierarchy and perhaps people you might see as at your level or below you in a hierarchy. Um, just the, um, the value to always try to engage and learn from people that you speak with. And those things stuck with me. I remember the next day, um, I went home and I just learned all these Johnny Cash songs, note for note. And, and sure enough, I ended up playing, you know, 12 hours that day. And I remember that day very well. And, um, yeah, and so that was my first experience. And, and that experience led to me going to see them every Saturday for three years. When I would go, I would go busk on the street in the morning. I would go sit in with bands in the afternoon. And then when they would play in the evening, I would go and hand Don of the Don Kelly band my business card. And I would tell him that I know all the songs, even though I didn't know all the hundred plus songs at the time. You know, and I did that literally every week until I got a call for the gig. And so just to kind of circle back to the meaning of synchronicity, you know, it's an ever-present reality, man. So it's a trip. You bring that up, talking about Roberts. Um, our next guest is actually David Graham, who last time I saw him, he was playing down at Roberts. Uh, yeah. Right there, down, wow. Have and you ever- I believe he's like a mutual acquaintance or a mutual friend of ours as well. Oh, I love David. He gave me some of my first gigs down on Broadway. Have you ever played up around here, Daniel? I don't think so. We we need to get you up I, here. For... No, I, I was making the phone calls for uh, we we threw a whiskey festival, whiskey tasting up here. So I made the calls, and it's I think March fifth. Uh, but you you already had something in the book, so we'll figure it out next time. We, we need to get you up here for that. We need to have I I can I can picture you and I feel like and, it'd be a perfect fit for the, that little after party. After well, it the would be tasting, for that, yeah. but but even up at the at the rally too, oh, at the Sturgis sure. motorcycle rally. Oh, lobster, yeah. Being up there, you and 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 Graham on on stage, uh, you know, I holy crap, that'd be an incredible night. We need to get you up here for sure, Daniel. This has been a blast talking to you, buddy. It's really nice to meet you. It, it's amazing when you talk to people that have this kind of passion for the things that they do. I, I just love that energy when you get to talk to people like that. Me too. Hey, before before we peace out, I know you have a guitar within arm's reach right now. You you want to give us a couple bars? Sure. Here's a good one. This is an old, uh, it's actually a new Martin. Um, Here's this one song I've just been loving by Elizabeth Cotton.
<laughs> That's awesome. Right on, man. Thanks for doing that. I appreciate that. That was awesome. Sounded great. My pleasure. My absolute honor. Oh, I hope we get to talk to you again sometime, Daniel. And 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 seriously, maybe uh, you know, find a way to route you up here at some point. Uh, I think you would you would find you would find quite an audience up here for what you're playing for sure, man. I we'll, love it. We'll uh, we'll, we'll do, do another episode in person that time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would love that experience. That'd be so fun. Thank you so much, Daniel. We won't keep any longer, buddy. It's been nice talking to you, and I hope we get to again. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Andy. You yeah, bet. appreciate it, man. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thanks. Bye. All right, y'all keep it good. Yeah, you Thank too. You. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of My First Concert. I am Mark Houston. I am the host and producer of the show. It's engineered by Chris Jaquez, and all the audio and visual work is done by our own Russ Haddon. My First Concert is on the Home Slice Audio Network, and if you like what you heard, a great review is always appreciated.